0: Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. The conversation continues with vascular and endovascular surgeon, Dr. Gregory Domer, as we highlight treatments for carotid artery disease and the procedures to restore the flow of oxygenated blood to the brain. Here's Rosa Kay. Hi, I'm Rasa Kay. We pick up with treatments for carotid artery disease, the procedures performed by the team at Deborah to restore the flow of oxygenated blood to the brain, as well as the decision making behind choosing the best carotid intervention for each patient, with vascular and endovascular surgeon Dr. Gregory Domer.
1: So, carotid endarterectomy has been around since the mid-1950s. Uh, So it's the gold standard treatment of carotid artery disease and has really the best results over time from what we uh, now have, the three treatments being carotid stenting either through the femoral artery or a newer procedure now called TCAR. But carotid endarterectomy is a small incision made at the side of the neck. Uh, It's about two to three inches in length and we open the carotid artery and actually remove the plaque uh, from the artery and then put a patch over the top of that is one method of carotid endarterectomy. Another is just sort of degloving the uh, vessel and pulling out the plaque.
0: What kind of a scar do you have on your neck then?
1: Uh, It's typically not a large scar. We typically try to make it about three inches in length and it sort of runs along this muscle here called your sternocleidomastoid muscle on the side of your neck.
0: So down from your jawline to heading, heading down toward your collarbone. Yes. Yeah. And you're literally going in, opening it all up and, and pulling out stuff.
1: Yeah. It usually comes out as one piece, just a large piece of plaque, which is sort of a molding of the artery.
0: I can just imagine all of you there in, in, in the room saying, Yep, yeah, there it is. Yeah, take a look at this one.
1: Sometimes the the pieces of plaque that we pull out are pretty impressive.
0: And then you have to literally sew up the artery and sew up everything else. Yes. How long does this take?
1: Uh, the procedure is uh it's it's a relatively straightforward procedure and takes about two hours.
0: And would would that be done on an emergency basis? Like right now we gotta go in and get this out.
1: Typically, it's not done on an emergency basis. People that are symptomatic, we try to get them in within three to seven days. There have been studies and there's still some uh, some argument going on, should these people be operated on even sooner? What we do know is anything past 14 days, the risk of them having a recurrent stroke significantly increases.
0: I would find that a terrifying three to seven days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, the other thing is we make sure they're on maximal medical therapy, which, again, is uh, statin and antiplatelet therapy.
0: The endarterectomy and the TCAR, these are, it would be one or the other. Uh, It's a question of how you would go in there and do it. What dictates how you remove the plaque and and restore the blood flow?
1: Right. So somebody that has uh, significant calcified plaque, so very hard calcified vessels. Uh, The stent sometimes cannot expand in a vessel such as that. So if there's circumferential, so calcified plaque around the entire diameter of the blood vessel, then stents typically don't do as well because they're not able to expand appropriately. So those people we would do in darterectomy. Now there are some people that anatomically it would be very, very difficult to get to that plaque. So those people, we would lean towards uh, doing a T-CAR or a carotid stent, and we would favor doing T-CAR over transfemoral carotid stenting because there's less risk of stroke. In transfemoral carotid stenting, we have to traverse the aorta, which is the large blood vessel that is the conduit that supplies all the blood flow to the body, and there are three vessels that come off of the aorta, And we have to cannulate or enter into one of those two vessels to get up to the carotid arteries. And that vessel also can have plaque present. So in just traversing the aorta and the carotid arteries as they come off the aorta uh, can embolize or small particles break off and cause stroke. So by doing TCAR, we can make a small incision just above the collarbone and insert our sheath which is the conduit through which we put our stent. And the nice thing about TCAR is that we can also provide reverse, reversal of flow. So the blood is not going antegrade or up towards the brain. It's being removed or actually suctioned through that catheter. It goes through a filtration device and then is reinserted into the patient through the femoral vein. So that's how we achieve the results that we do with lesser risk of stroke in that the plaque cannot go towards the brain. It's actually removed and filtered out.
0: And the brain is getting all the oxygenated blood it needs throughout all of this procedure. You're never, you're, you're never ceasing any blood flow to the brain while you're trying to deal with whatever's in that artery.
1: Right. So there's four vessels that go to the brain. So the other three are open and supplying the blood flow. And typically this procedure only takes at this juncture where everything is inserted and it's just a matter of placing the stent, typically only takes about nine minutes. Wow.
0: So when you're going in there and literally cutting it open to remove the, the plaque, do you leave a stent behind
1: so for the carotid endarterectomy, no, but for the TCAR or the transfemoral, yes. We first put a balloon in to dilate it uh, and then we leave a stent in behind. And it sort of acts as a scaffolding or hol- holding open that vessel and preventing and also stabilizing that plaque and helping it to prevent from embolization.
0: Embolization, definition, just so we're all on the same page.
1: It's just a small particle breaking off somewhere in the body. It can come from the heart, it can come from anywhere in the body, and it goes with the blood flow. So if it's coming from your heart, typically a small piece of soft, it's not plaque, but it's a piece of clotted blood that breaks off and goes to the brain. And it can go anywhere throughout the body.
0: TCAR is which procedure precisely? The one with the little, your suction system here?
1: So it stands for transcarotid artery revascularization and that's the procedure where we make a small incision just above the collarbone and then place a stent through that.
0: So you have a lot of options. Are these done on an emergency basis, or do you do the evaluation because of a TIA or, or whatever other symptomology that brought them to an ER, or do you stumble on the blockages or narrowing and recommend it? I mean, how does, how does this tend to happen?
1: That's a good question. So um, patients that are symptomatic, so have had a mini-stroke or a stroke, If it's a mini stroke and the symptoms have completely resolved, we say that that person should be intervened on within two weeks. If somebody has had a significant stroke and has somewhat recovered, um, so what I mean by that is they don't have profound disability where one side of their body is completely paralyzed, we would probably allow that person for their brain to, to heal to some degree before we would intervene on them. But people that have less disabling stroke, we typically would operate within three to seven days. Because the longer we wait, the greater the risk of having a second stroke, which can be as high as 20% over time. So we try to catch those people relatively early on uh, to do their carotid intervention. Now some people, if they come into the ER soon enough, they can have their intervention with a carotid stent and TPA all at the same time, typically done by a neurointerventionalist or a neurosurgeon that has capability of retrieving clot from within the brain.
0: That was my next question. At what point does the neurologist enter the picture and how do you have to work with that specialist?
1: So, the neurologist and the vascular surgeons typically work hand in hand is coming up with uh, timing of when to provide, when the best time to provide carotid intervention. So, again, looking at the patient, and it's uh, usually not cut and dry, black and white. There's a lot of gray here. So, depending on the disability that the patient has suffered from, uh, will then help to determine the timing. And we usually use the neurologist to help us decide that. Some patients, it's fairly cut and dry that, that have symptoms that have either resolved or symptoms that are m- minor to some degree, so they're still able to dress themselves and they're still able to function uh, normal activities, maybe with some residual speech deficits and maybe some weakness of their arms or legs, but those people typically do very well from early intervention.
0: Do you grade blockages uh, or carotid artery disease, I should say, mild, moderate, severe?
1: We divide people broadly into symptomatic and asymptomatic. And symptomatic patients, we would operate at 50% or greater in the right patient. Uh, Patients that are asymptomatic, the cutoff is typically 70%. And in people that are 70%, that's when we start considering carotid intervention. 80% 80% in my practice is really the cutoff when I say that there is definitely going to be a significant benefit if we operate to prevent stroke.
0: Certainly when I've talked with doctors here at Deborah, the understanding is that if you find a blockage or a significant narrowing someplace in the body, that there's bound to be more. Do you ever find a carotid artery blockage or stenosis as the first sign, but that's the first, first time you realize you've got atherosclerosis and we need to, to do a bit of a scavenger hunt now.
1: Typically it goes in the reverse. So we typically find other disease. So uh, people that are coming in maybe to have coronary intervention or intervention on their legs or their aorta or another area of the body where they have blood vessels that are affected. Those are the people then we find carotid disease. But sometimes it does happen in the reverse where we find carotid disease first. And so some of the screening tests that have been done uh, looking for peripheral artery disease are important. Only about 5% of people with peripheral artery disease ever need any kind of intervention. But it's important to diagnose peripheral artery disease because, again, this is a systemic disease. then now you can take those patients and make sure they're on the appropriate medications, which is, again, if they have diabetes, controlling their diabetes. Uh, If they have hypertension, controlling their hypertension, making sure that they're on a statin or a cholesterol-lowering drug, that they stop smoking if they're smokers. And then we typically would also put them on an antiplatelet therapy with just a baby aspirin or 81 milligrams of aspirin. And that many times can at least slow the progression and, in some cases, stop the progression of vascular disease.
0: So, once again, that leg pain thing, you know, looking at all those symptoms of PAD could mean that you're at risk for a, a stroke from one end to the other.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: So, to prevent carotid artery disease, what would be your top three lifestyle changes or lifestyle habits?
1: Number one, Far and above everything else is to stop smoking, and then the second one is you know heart healthy diet, uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, high a uh, uh, diet high in fiber, uh, lack of red meat you know more white meat fish and poultry, and an active lifestyle. So 20 minutes a day, five times a week, uh, can significantly improve uh, heart health and general well-being.
0: Is carotid artery disease Reversible.
1: So that's uh, that's another good question. and unfortunately it's not. The best we can really hope for is cessation or you know no lack of progression, slowing down the progression of the disease. We follow probably about a thousand patients with carotid artery disease, and we follow them with surveillance. And what that means is depending on the degree of stenosis, they're either getting a carotid duplex, which is an ultrasound every six months or once a year. So we don't see reversal, although it has happened. Uh, People on statins, there have been some studies that have suggested there is some plaque uh, regression. But the vast majority of people, it just helps to prevent progression.
0: To diagnose, basically it's imaging, correct? Correct. And following it is more imaging. Correct. So the invasive stuff is when you have to treat.
1: Right. So the imaging piece is just with ultrasound typically. So ultrasound is very, very sensitive, meaning it almost never misses carotid disease. The specificity isn't as great though, and that means that it oftentimes, not oftentimes, but I would say about twenty to thirty percent of the time will overcall carotid disease and say that it's suggests that it's more significant than it actually is. And that's why in all of my patients, I get a CAT scan or an MRA to look at the carotid arteries. And that way we can actually visualize the degree of stenosis. We get some inkling of plaque morphology. Are we dealing with a heavily calcified vessel versus soft plaque? And each of those having its own risk factors and which treatment might be better, whether it's TCAR or carotid endarterectomy. And in some patients, if they've had extensive surgery of their neck, then transfemoral stenting might be the best option for them in that case.
0: And here in the summer of 2023, you are, your department is celebrating a bit of an anniversary then.
1: Yeah, we just finished our 100th uh, TCAR. So we're one of the higher performing centers in the state of New Jersey for TCAR. Been doing them since 2019.
0: So like anything else, you want to go someplace where they're really, really familiar with the procedure, if they're going to be going in there and roto rootering your carotid artery or anything yeah, else.
1: Right. I would say the most important piece of anybody seeking somebody, uh, somebody's advice for carotid intervention needs to see a provider that has or the group having extensive experience with all forms of treatment of carotid artery disease whether it be transfemoral stenting, carotid endarterectomy, and TCAR, the person that is evaluating should be facile with all three forms of carotid intervention.
0: When should somebody see a doctor about all this?
1: Uh, I would say that anybody that has the risk factors should talk to their primary to help guide them as to whether or not they should, see, uh, should seek screening So certainly not everybody should be screened, but people with the appropriate risk factors uh, should be screened for carotid artery disease.
0: Is there family history involved in this? Uh, If, uh, you know, if there's a history of atherosclerosis in your family, could your particular genetic line be more likely to have stenosis of the carotid arteries as opposed to somewhere else in the body?
1: I would say yes, but the level of evidence isn't as strong for people that have the risk factors. So somebody having no risk factors but a family history, yeah, that's that's something that hasn't really been shown. There certainly isn't the same level of evidence for them to get screening as there would be somebody with the risk factors that we discussed.
0: So why should people come to Deborah to get treated for carotid artery disease?
1: Well, I think Deborah, our vascular group, has extensive experience on all three forms of carotid intervention. As I mentioned, we just performed our 100th TCAR. We do a lot of carotid endarterectomy, not so much in the way of transfemoral stenting anymore. So I was involved with national trials 20 years ago, but over time, we've seen that the stroke rate was higher than performing carotid endarterectomy and certainly higher than performing TCAR. So the vast majority of what we do now is either TCAR or carotid endarterectomy. And again, depending on the plaque morphology will then help us to decide is this patient better suited for carotid endarterectomy or the TCAR procedure.
0: That's vascular and endovascular surgeon Dr. Gregory Domer at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Join us the first Wednesday of the month for a new podcast on a health issue you need to understand. I'm Rasa Kaye. You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at DemandDebora.org.